This Woman Over 70 podcast is sponsored by Vesta, a woman-owned kitchen and bath design firm in Chicago. Award-winning founder Colette Rodon-Hornoff and her team offer a collaborative and detail-oriented approach that turns your vision into a space you will love. Through design, measurement, and construction, you can count on Vesta to bring your dreams to reality. Visit Vesta online at vestachicago.com or call 773-252-7300. Let Vesta infuse your home with warmth and welcome. Hi, I'm Gail. And hi, I'm Catherine. Welcome to Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined, our award-winning weekly podcast. We're excited to be in our fourth year. This has been a labor of love and that now needs your support. We urge you to join Aging Reimagined Circle, our sustaining membership fund, or make a donation so we may continue to inspire women to age with purpose, resilience, and self-care. Visit womenover70.com and join today. Today we have in our studio Kim Beth Worley Judge. She's 79, grew up in the Chicago area, and now lives in the same building as I do. We met because Kimbeth had begun journaling, as she always does when she is working out issues. Shortly before then, her husband of 54 years had died. She wondered, much as Catherine and I did about what it was like to be a woman over 70, how others coped with life without their partners. Kimbeth's path to discovery soon included other widowed women, and the idea of writing an anthology about becoming a widow was born. Nancy Hunter, an earlier guest of Women Over 70, also lives in our building, and she asked me on Kim Beth's behalf if I would like to participate in writing my story. I was honored. For Kim Beth, writing is a way of life. She has authored two other books. So, Kim Beth, welcome to Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined. In, yes, we're happy to have you. In talking with you, it's clear that you can't imagine your life without writing. So maybe you could tell us more about that. And I'm wondering, is writing an innate skill that you were born with? I think it is. I think um, I, my earliest memory um, around the age of four, I think, is being confused about the nonsensical behavior of adults and then the curiosity of watching children emulating them. And so I, I just wondered what that was all about. I was, I was I just was trying to figure it out. Um, and then it became sort of amusing to me, but at its core, I really wanted to understand human nature. And I discovered later on in a couple more years, not at four, but when I started writing, <laughs> I made more sense of it when I could write about it. I just started writing how I was feeling. Um, and then I added some humor to it and, be, and it became fun and satisfying to try to figure this human condition out. <laughs> and the human condition you're talking about is? It's the behavior of people in general. I was, I was, surprised that adults behaved the way they did. They made really, I thought, strange decisions. And um, it, it, the whole thing didn't make total sense to me. I thought it could be done better. <laughs> so <laughs> so it was possible. 
Did did you have siblings? Yeah, I had an older brother, only 18 months older, so we were always in cahoots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So very interesting. Well, I know you authored two books, two other books than the one we're going to talk about. And and so tell us about those. Well, I can. I was going to tell you about my mentors first, because since I wasn't formally educated, and I'll tell you how that happened, but um, I only really, I, I learned when you asked me if this was something I was sort of born with and it's a talent, I think it really is because I wasn't trained um, through school other than my, my mother was well-trained as a professional portrait artist and she encouraged my imagination and got a huge kick out of how I put things always willing to discuss anything. So so that was really helpful for, for my desire to figure stuff out. And then when I got to high school, my uh, there was a teacher, Ellen Schuert, who ran the school newspaper. And she just made me feel so secure in my talent because she assigned me a, a weekly column and named it Queen's Column. And so that was wonderful for me. What and did then, you name it? What did you name it? Kim's column spelled with a K. Column spelled with a K. So it was Kim's column. Oh, Kim's column, right? Yeah. Uh -huh. I wrote it every week for you know those couple of years in high school. So, so that was really um, very beneficial in my learning how to uh, uh, smooth out my craft. I guess I would say. What kinds of things did you talk about in that column? They talked about, I still was trying to figure out life. I still am. But I was trying to figure out what, what kind of sense teenage years made. And boy, that, that was a, a tough one because nobody's ever figured that out. But I tried and I wrote funny things about how we all behaved and what we all were trying to figure out and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but I was allowed to say whatever I wanted. That was the fun of it. She she. She liked my writing so much. She just let me write anything I wanted, um, and she would get it. She would have to get permission from the deans sometimes to to put what I said in. And I don't remember, so don't ask me for an example. <laughs> did, <laughs> did, like did you have other women mentors also besides? No, no, but I had my husband ended up being a mentor for me because when I did finally start writing books that I thought were publishable, um, I was. Actually, in my I was approaching seventy, and he was um, newly retired. So he actually enjoyed teaching me how to tighten up my writing. Um, coming from the newspaper business, he taught me that every single sentence has to be necessary, or it doesn't belong in the in the whatever you're writing. And boy, was that helpful! So. Uh -huh. So um, talking about my other two books, not the one I'm writing now, but the other two, he, he and I read them together and, that's, and had a real fun time doing all that. Um, one of them, the first one I wrote was a compilation of short stories of those I had been writing all along. I wrote all along. Um, he was... I'm, I'm from an age where most of the women were supposed to stay home and be mothers and wives. And mm -hmm. he insisted on that for me. Um, I wasn't, um, 
capable of standing up for myself at that time. So I just let that happen. We, when I, I married him, actually, I was in my sophomore year of, of college, and he agreed that we would both finish college um, and then and then have a family later on. But I got pregnant immediately, and um, he got his dream job, which was working for the Chicago Tribune. So I ended up being, being a stay-at-home mother and wife, mm-hmm. which I actually loved. I actually... <laughs> I really had a good time. We, um, I have, we have three children. Um, I was one of those. We were the house that you went to for fun, and there were always children over. It was, it was lovely. But when they went away to school, and and the more they were away, the more I realized I really did should have had a backup because it was just too. Uh, I didn't have enough simulations. So then I started writing. So. I'm writing short stories and I'm writing short stories. And um, finally, when I'm approaching 70, my husband said, well, why don't you put them all in a book? And I said, all right, then maybe I will. And I got some out and uh, there were eight of my favorites that I put in a book. Uh And what was that book called? And is it available? Yes, that's on Amazon. Um, I really had fun writing it. They're all amusing. They're all just life stories about human beings and how we react. And it's called Mothers and Others, uh-huh. a story collection by Kimbeth Worley Judge. Um, one of my favorites is called The Five L's of Living Well. Um, and it's a, it's actually a, about my mother. All my stories are, are about people I know because what do you, what am I going to write about? I've never been really out in the world. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I write what I see and what I, you know. So um, the five L's of living well, would you like to know what they are? Yes. <laughs> this is my mother. Um, they're love, lust, laughter, loyalty, and lots of money. <laughs> <laughs> wise woman yeah so that's uh so that was fun to write but they all were they all have a cute little whatever in them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah so so um you told me that your your writing teaches you about life and that it's changed you it, it, talk about that a little bit well i guess it's changed me because I figured stuff out because I was writing about it. And I figured out that um, human beings really are so flawed that I should never uh, think it's possible for them to behave the way I would prefer them to behave. So it gave me a heads up on what to expect. Um, uh, uh, my, my novel which came next was uh, a lot more serious, although it has a lot of, I think it always has to have humor in it. Whatever you write, whatever you do has to have humor in it, or there's no point. It's mm-hmm. just um, dire otherwise. So the novel is called The Flip Side. That was written after I realized that my short stories were successful and people enjoyed my writing. I uh, embarked on this novel. Um, and that is a love story um, with a, mis- a mystery involved. Um, 
And that was really fun to do. Plus, I felt like having an affair, but I knew I shouldn't. So I wrote one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that was fun to do. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. And and um, you were so it, it's interesting how we all met in this building, right? Yes. And, and uh, you and I met because of Nancy Hunter and and you're you had become a widow a short time before I met you. And so you started writing again. And, and how how did that come about? Well, my husband, uh, we didn't even know he was sick. We went down to Florida because we were going to Florida. Um, we had been doing that for about four winters. And um, the last time we had gone, he hadn't felt well, and we didn't have a doctor down there. So this time when we went down, this was in 2019, I immediately found a doctor, and um, I set up an appointment for us to both go in and so that we had uh, a rapport with her so that if we ever got sick again in Florida, there she'd be. And so he had some tests done and we were waiting to hear back. He and I were watching television. Um, we were eating dinner and watching um, Quebec, uh, Alex Quebec, which is the only thing that came on in, that, in, in their Florida channel. But it was a good show. And he's, he's, he stopped the show and he said, I want you to um, pray for me. Um, I have pancreatic cancer that has spread to my liver. And he, the signs are um, that you're, you're, uh, you, need, you can't sleep. You're not hungry. And um, now I forget the third. See, now I'm reliving it again. This is, I want to get into this because you relive. Anyway, anyway, we looked at each other and realized that he must, that's what he must have. And then the doctor called the next day and said he had it. And we were just shocked because his father lived into his 90s. Mm. And we just expected that he'd live a really long time. Anyway. The shock of it and the fact that he died, you know, three months later, it, it goes very quickly. Um, it left me feeling so strange and so surprised that I thought I better write about it. Um, and because that's what calms me down. So I started writing about it. As I was writing about it, I started thinking of the ways he had been so... Um, controlling of me and I was I think I was trying not to miss him so much because I started thinking about all the negative things I didn't like about him and so I wouldn't miss him and and one of the things was he was so very controlling and in fact when I had written my novel the the flip side I had based the beginning on um uh, a suicide that I actually had seen and I did that because I couldn't get it out of my mind and I wrote about it and he said, you've got to put this in your book because it was about survival. So I did. I put the suicide in my book and it's the beginning of the novel. Um, and when I did that, I said, you know, I really should contact the widow because since she still lives in the building, she should really, if she doesn't want me to do this, I should not put it in. And he said, don't, don't, contact the widow. And I said, why not? And he said, because you just, that's not how you do things. You know, he said, he's a, a businessman. He's out in the world. And 
I, I decided to take his word for it, but I, it really didn't sit well with me. So after he was dead, I'm writing this book and I'm thinking, you know what? If I ever see that widow and I run into her, I'm just going to, I'm, I'm going to ask her if she would like to talk about what I did. Mm-hmm. Next thing I know, <laughs> I'm, I'm um, down, down in the building in, in the, um, you know, the, uh, getting my mail. I think I was getting my mail and she came up to me and she said, I'm so sorry. I heard about your husband dying. And I'm sorry. And I said, well, thank you. And she said, if you ever would like to talk about it, I'm, I'm, you know, I would, I would like to have you over. And I thought, all right, if this isn't perfect, I don't know what is, because I wanted to say something to her anyway. So I, I made a a date with her to go um, to be her guest in her place. I told her about it. She didn't even know I wrote a book and (laughs) Now I'm feeling even worse because now she wants to read it and it's a really good description of it. But any by this time, there's no backing out. I gave her the book to read. She read it. She, and the next day she, or two days later, she had me over. <clears throat> she said, that was really rough. And I said, I'm, I, you know, again, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize. She said, I've never read a description of it and uh all these years but i think your writing is really good and i enjoyed the book well i was just flabbergasted that she could have that that attitude and it she was so sweet about it um and how did this lead to so she said well what are you what are you writing lately I mean, they're just so ridiculous and bizarre. And I said, well, I'm writing a book about widowhood because I don't know how to deal with this. It never even occurred to me that my husband would die before me. Mm-hmm. And she said, well, that sounds really interesting. That sounds like something I probably should have done. And I said, well, you know, if you want to try it, I'm, I'm going to maybe I should ask other widows to 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 do this. And maybe, we, you know, maybe it should be a composite or something. So she tried it. She wrote a really good chapter. And I said, and then we decided, you know, there's such different perspectives because hers happened a really long time ago. Mine just happened type thing mm-hmm. that we thought, well, this is, this is probably, this could be valuable to other widows. Maybe we should try to do this. And we both knew a couple other widows. Um, so we just decided to team up and do it. Mm-hmm. And and what's the book called? It's called Becoming a Widow, an anthology of journeys from two to one. Mm-hmm. And I wrote a chapter in it. Yes, and we love your chapter. This is another thing. Nancy was on your program, and she said, you want me to, you know, Gail's a widow. And I said, I didn't know that. And she said, well, maybe she, maybe she should write a chapter. And I said, well, if anybody could write one, it's probably Gail. She already has a podcast and the whole thing. So she asked you and you, you decided to do it. We were thrilled because yours is great. <laughs> Thank you. Gail, what, what, uh, what, what compelled you to say yes to writing that chapter? What compelled me to say yes was I felt my story might help others and that it would be it would be good to be a part of this this project that that uh, Kim Beth was doing. And I liked the description of it. I thought that it was it made sense. 
And as it has turned out, the individual chapters are all very different, and they certainly do uh, shed light on what it means to be a widow after you've been married, whether it's 10 years or it's uh, 60 years. And I think that it will be very helpful to others. And it, it uh, it's, it's, she has turned this, Kim Beth has turned this into, it's not just the, some chapters being put together. It's very, very well done. And uh, you have a you have a uh, someone who is publishing it for you, right, Kim Beth? Yes, I do. Um, I decided to self-publish this time, and it, that was very helpful. You put me in touch with the publisher, Gail, and that so Gail's been hugely helpful to answer your question, Catherine. Too um, the as I sent the book in and. Uh, First of all, it was funny because they they said the editor is in London and he's gonna do it, he's gonna begin in two days. And I said, Are you saying the editor's a male? And my director said, Yeah. And I said, Well, that doesn't make sense. It's a it's a book for females. All my books are for females. And she said, Well, it shouldn't really matter if he's any good. But um, so I said, All right, we'll try it. He was very good. And in fact, he said, you know what you need to do is write more about you because it's your book and you need to write a lot more about your own journey um, and be more you in it because it'll be, it'll become more interesting. So I actually wrote some stuff um, about how I was feeling during the, not only did my husband die, but there's a pandemic and look at what's happening politically. And I was just, you know, the, the whole thing was just ridiculous that I was, experiencing all these changes at once and, and so i wrote about it and it turned into being much more interesting as a book yes definitely yes and and uh, there's a lot of meat in the book in terms of help for others resources for others it's uh you know it's it's really um it's it's really a tremendous project and I'm I'm so happy to be a part of it and and to have uh, have your book be published this way. Well, thank you. And when will it? When is it available? It's going to be available on the Amazon uh, January twenty eighth. Okay, becoming a widow: an anthology of journeys from two to one. You had asked me if if I would read um, a poem, and do you still want me to do that? Absolutely. and But first, I'd like to talk for just a moment about your own aging, how you're thinking about it now that you're 79. Well, I had never really thought about it. So that's interesting. Just just <laughs> <laughs> that alone. I don't have to reimagine it because I never imagined it. Um, but I can see that if you have imagined yourself of just being old like your grandmother or your great-grandmother, that's hardly um, what you should be doing. You should be imagining what you're going to do next. Um, and for me, since I always wanted to have a career, but my husband just put his foot down, I now get to have one. So at the ripe old age of 79, I've decided to have a writing career. 
And um, I never was, I never self-promoted anything. So this is going to be interesting. But, <laughs> but um, I decided to do it. And I started another novel. And, and why not? You know, um, and the point, and you're in your, both of your points, it's always been, you know, you've got to have a purpose. And so I knew that. I've always known that. You, Everyone has to have a purpose. And I watched. I watched all the men in my life retire and then die because they had, they had no plan. So I had never intended to do nothing. I just didn't know what I should do. But the only thing I really can do is write. So here I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you're good at it. You're, <laughs> it, it's really good. You know, the, the other, the other reason I, it would be interesting to know, Kim Beth, why all the people who decided to have a chapter in the book, uh, to, you know, what, what, why did they want to participate in it? As Catherine asked, and uh, you know, I think the, the other thing is that it, it really does you good when you've had this kind of an experience to to get it out of you and and into into something that others can read about and and learn about and that's absolutely true gail that's exactly what happened because what happened next was when nancy and i decided well we invited you and you you realized the value of it right off but other friends, um, we would just tell them, come on over for lunch. We'll, we'll talk about it. We'll, we'll read our stuff to you. You'll see what we're talking about. But it really does calm you down. You figure stuff out that maybe you never even put into words because you were so sad and confused. And mm -hmm. so when, when you have to write it down and it has to make sense, sentence after sentence, you have a new understanding of even your own self. It's fascinating. And so these, these, well, two of them are my best friends. They both had become widows, one a long time ago and one in the in a couple months of me becoming one. So that was interesting. Mm -hmm. I think that something that you did too made a lot of sense and, and developed a community among the writers in the book. And that was that as they wrote their chapters, you gathered a few people together and the writer uh, spoke the chapter out loud. Yes. So and then you, you know, you all could make comments on it. And uh, so that so you became like a writing group as well. Yeah, it was so interesting. And it, it, every single person cried as they read their because it was so new to them to have this avenue of um, understanding what happened to them. And, you know, you relive it every time you talk about it. So there you go with that. But mm -hmm. it, it was it was so touching. I actually stopped doing it a couple times and just needed a rest because just just watching these beautiful women crying and reading about their husbands dying was just so um emotional mm -hmm. but it was beautiful too i mean we 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 had lunches for them we talked we laughed we did other things besides cry it's just that that was part of it and it, it just the whole thing was just so um i don't even know how to put it just so um i don't know intimate and sad mm -hmm. and Intim intimate's a good word yeah it was yeah and so this other piece that you added to the book 
which makes it even more wonderful, are poems interspersed throughout. And your granddaughter, Isabella Goldberg, wrote a couple of the poems that are in the book. And so we thank you so much for being on, on Women Over 70. And before you leave, we'd love for you to read one of the poems. So tell, tell us what the name is. Okay, well, I have to say, when I was writing this book, Bella, my granddaughter, who's 23, wrote three poems just because she wanted me to, to know how much she cared about what I was going through. And they were just for me. She sent them to me. Hmm. It was so touching. Um, and your favorite is the one I'll read. Okay, thank you. Loss is a four-letter word. Loss is a four-letter word. Loss is profane. It is unfettered and piercing. Loss is explicit and vulgar and dutifully approved for all audiences. An irreverent act of the earthly world made supernatural by its constant and bemusing habits. Loss is a neat euphemism for the blunt and rusty blade of death. Love is four characters that tingle like phantom limbs a shocking single syllable that can hold its own with the best of them. It's beautiful, really beautiful. Wow. Thank you very much, Kim Beth Judge. Kim Beth Worley Judge, writer and author. Thank you for being with us. Yeah. Thank, Thank you. you so much, Kim Beth. Uh, at the beginning of the podcast, we urged you to join Aging Reimagined Circle, our sustaining membership fund. Aging Reimagined Circle hosts our monthly interactive programs. We invite you to engage in these probing discussions and lend your voice to these important conversations about issues that matter to women aging. So please visit womenover70.com to join.